Welcome. This is the Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast. Welcome to the REI Secrets webinar series. And in this series of videos that I do, I like to just teach some cool things, right? Normal, normally on my coaching calls, I answer a bunch of questions. This call, my REI Secrets, uh, this is a, a weekly call that I do for my students where um, I'm just going to be teaching some cool things. And today I'm going to be teaching you how I evaluate lease option deals and how I come up with offers. And I'm going to show you two different sheets that I have. I'm going to be doing them on my iPad. Those of you that are on the call right now, um, I just sent you guys a link to download these worksheets in my Google Drive folder. If you would like to get these worksheets for yourself, I want to encourage you to go to partnerwithjoe.net. Partnerwithjoe.net is my new $7 a month program. It's like a coaching program where I'm going to teach you how to do cash deals. I'm going to teach you how to do lease, um, not lease option deals. That's my simple lease options program. But in, in partner with Joe, I teach you how to do cash deals, wholesaling deals. And it's a real simple but powerful course. I teach you the A to Z in a 30-day format. Like in 30 days, I'm going to teach you how to do cash deals. So if you want more information, go check it out, partnerwithjoe.net, partnerwithjoe.net. And in there, I show you how I can partner with you on deals. Number one, I also show you how I can lend money on all your deals. I will actually lend money on your deals. So go check out partnerwithjoe.net. And if you do that, you're going to get these worksheets that I'm going to be sharing with you here in just a minute for free. So they'll be included, okay? And also you can join future REI Secrets webinars and be on these things live with me. And when I share free resources like this, you'll get them. They'll be uh, included with what, what you get, okay? Cool. Let me give you some context of this. I love lease option deals. This has been my kind of like my bread and butter for years and years. It's how I got started in the business. I love lease options because you can do them whether the market's cold or hot. Doesn't matter. While all of the competition, and there is a lot of it out there, they're chasing after deals with a lot of equity and a lot of motivation. These are deals that you can do with sellers that don't have a ton of equity and maybe even don't have a ton of motivation. Okay. This is somebody, it's an owner of a house that tried to sell the house but can't. They don't want to be a long distance landlord. Maybe they've gone through a divorce, job loss. I've done lease options on probate. So the the homeowners wanted to sell their house, but couldn't get the price that they all agreed that they wanted to get for it. So they decided to do a lease option and sell it to a tenant buyer for a higher price. And if not, let the market appreciate a little bit, and then they could try again in a couple of years to sell it for the higher price. The great thing about lease options is you get somebody in the house who's going to take better care of it, somebody who's going to treat the house like it's their own. And so you get a better quality tenant, somebody who wants to buy it. They have more of a homeowner's mentality. So they take care of all the day-to-day -day maintenance and repairs. And it's just a great way to get better cash flow. The property gets better taken care of. If you do sell it to the tenant buyer, which hopefully you do, then you're going to get a get a little higher premium for that. You don't have to pay real estate commission, you know, realtor commissions. And it's just a great option to give to sellers who want to sell but can't and buyers who want to buy but can't. Okay. There are still sellers today, believe it or not, in this market who want to sell but can't. I'm telling you, every day I just drove my daughter this morning to an art class at some element. We homeschool our kids, but we take them to like the public schools have these um special programs. I almost said special needs. She's not special needs, but anyway, they have these special programs for like art and baking and you know, things like that. 
So this summer I've been taking her to this baking class and then an art class and then, you know, volleyball. And she's really active in all that stuff. Well, I passed this house. This is the hottest market we maybe have ever seen, right? This market, this house has been sitting on the market for almost a year. It's crazy. It's a brand new construction. They tore down or they, they bought a new lot or they bought a lot, built a new house. It's not in a subdivision, right? But it's been for sale forever. Why? They're asking too much for it, right? So there are a lot of sellers out there who are just asking too much for their house. And they, for whatever reason, they can't sell it for any less. They don't want to sell it for any less. I don't know. But those are the sellers that would be more open to doing something creative like a lease option. And let me tell you something else. This is really important too. I've been seeing a lot of this because I just did, I did a YouTube video recently talking about how I paid off a $520,000 federal tax lien. <laughs> okay. It's, it's quite the journey. I did a video. I kind of, I'm still, I don't know if it was a good idea or not. It was very difficult to talk about. It's a very difficult thing that I went through. I Just so you all know, go to my YouTube channel and look at that video I did and, and lessons learned from paying off a $520,000 IRS lien. And I just paid it off a few months ago. It's a difficult and embarrassing thing to talk about, to be quite honest. Um, but I'm just being a little vulnerable here, I guess. I got to a situation where six, seven years ago, I started making a lot of money and I ran out of deductions and I started getting tax bills that I wasn't prepared for. And it just kept on getting worse and worse as I made more money. I started paying off my old taxes, not paying my new taxes. And with penalties and interest, it got pretty huge. And so the federal IRS is the world's largest tax collection agency, and they're pretty ruthless. And it got to a point a couple, three, four years ago, three, three years ago, where they said, uh, Joe, if you don't get this fixed and taken care of and get current on your current taxes and start making payments on your old taxes regularly, consistently, um, we're going to take away everything from you. And then if that doesn't work, we will throw you in jail. So I was like, oh boy. And so here I am, this, this guy who teaches people how to do real estate. And you know, I, I have a channel, I have a book, podcast, YouTubes and whatever. And I coach people and I'm not able to pay my taxes. So it was quite embarrassing and humiliating. And But last month, I paid off, made the last payment to that federal tax lien. And I've been current on my current taxes for three plus years, but that federal tax lien, it's embarrassing. You know, it's attached to my house. Every week, I would get at least five to 10 letters from, from different agencies like companies trying to sell me into um, you know, uh, their tax plans or programs to help negotiate with the IRS. I couldn't negotiate with the IRS because I had I would have to lie and claim hardship. I'd have to tell them that, you know, I was broke and you know, I'd have to move out of my nice house, I'd have to sell my nice cars and I don't have nice cars, they're 5 years old, but like, you know, I'd have to go live in a, an efficiency apartment. And when you are really actually poor, you can negotiate with the IRS at significant discounts. But I couldn't do that. And and I feel like it's a debt that I owe and I have to pay it, you know, and I've I've borrowed a lot of money from private investors in the past and I have paid every single one of them back. When the market tanked, when the market crashed, you know, I paid every single one of my private investors back. Whenever I took a loan over subject to, I always took care of that seller's mortgage payment. I always made their mortgage payments, even if it meant missing my own personal mortgage payment. So I'd, why am I telling you all that? For one simple reason. We wanted to buy a house five years ago. 
well, seven years ago, but I couldn't because I was still too close. I still had for some foreclosures and short sales in my credit from when the market crashed, right? So I couldn't get a mortgage. So I did a lease option, found a great house on a cul-de-sac, you know, 4,500 square foot, beautiful home, three-car garage, beautiful area. And this, the lead came in and the, I, I, the seller couldn't sell it. They wanted to, but they couldn't. They didn't want to be a landlord. And I said, well, you should do a lease option on it. And I said, I actually got good news for you. I already have a tenant buyer for it. And they said, oh, really? Who? And I said, me. But let me talk to my wife first. Looked at the house, loved it. By the way, the seller never pulled my credit, right? I've never done a lease option deal where the seller has pulled my credit. And if they asked for it, I said, sorry, I just that's not the way we do it. So it doesn't sound like a lease option would be a good fit for you right now, right? Um, and I tell them, when they ask why, I say, listen, I do tons of deals. If everybody that I do deals with looked at my credit, it would ruin my credit. I'd have too many people pulling it. So it's just, if you don't feel comfortable with doing a lease option with me, then that's fine. Let's not do it. <laughs> okay. That's how I phrased it. So anyway, I hope you wrote that down, paid attention to what I just said there. Because a lot of people worry about that, right? Like worry, what do I say if they ask me how many deals have I done before? If they ask for my credit or why don't I just go buy the house and get a mortgage? That's what you say. All right. So anyway, I um, this house was a beautiful home, walkout finished basement. I had an office in there um, on a cul-de-sac, just great home. We decided we didn't want to buy it. We wanted to, we wanted something more private. We actually prayed a lot, like, okay, God help us. We don't, I don't know how we're going to get the mortgage or what we're going to do. We prayed for a house that was on three acres, private, back to woods, was within 15 minutes from our church. Like we were real specific on what we wanted. And we wanted a separate place where we could homeschool our kids, a separate place where I could work. And I hope you guys are uh, okay with me sharing this. But I'm getting some great comments here too. Somebody is saying, no worries, Joe. I have a certain amount that I owe, which is a lot. Gregory, I'm praying for you, man. And then he says here, your expertise is important. Proud of you for sharing. Thank you. Michael's saying here, my wife and I watched your video. I appreciate your vulnerability and your testimony. God bless you. Okay, cool. I appreciate the kind work. So here's the thing. We moved out of that house. We didn't put any money down on it, by the way, but we took care of the tenant. I mean, we took care of the landlord. We never called them once to fix anything. So then we go to Europe for three months and we, I think it was Europe or it was on a three-month RV trip. Well, we were gone somewhere for three months. We went to Europe for uh, three months. And remind me guys to tell you too from the lessons learned from this, because this is super important. And I would encourage you to watch my other YouTube video because I talk in detail about the lessons learned from all of this. So we got back from Europe and uh, I couldn't buy a house. I couldn't get a mortgage because now I was removed. Now it's been, it had been seven years. So like when you have a short sale or foreclosure or whatever, that's seven, it, you have to wait seven years before it's removed from your credit report. Okay. But okay, now I've got these tax liens on my credit. So even though my credit score was great, I still had these tax liens. I have a 750 something credit score. I don't know what it is, but like, and I don't care. It's stupid. I hate credit scores, but like I had these tax liens. Okay. And they, they started, the IRS started attaching these liens to some of my other rental properties. And then, so I'll explain this in a minute. So I, we wanted to buy a house. And we were tired of moving because we had moved quite a bit and ever since my wife and I have been married, either through job transfers or you know buying a bigger and better house, losing that to short sale, and then downgrading into smaller house, moving into a lease option house, we decided we didn't want to buy. I'm like, we are never moving again, but I couldn't get a mortgage to buy a house. And I'm making really good money, but I can't get a mortgage. And the house we wanted in the area we wanted, it's a jumbo loan, right? So you need to get a jumbo loan. I'm not, I'm not sure I can explain this very well to y'all, but like a jumbo loan means it's non-conforming. It's a non-traditional loan that Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac will not buy. So only banks will lend on this. And they may sell it to other banks, but it's not backed by the federal government. So they're more risky to banks, okay? Now to get a jumbo loan, because you know I can afford a, a, a real nice house, 
You know, you need to have a really good credit score, really clean credit history. You need to have a really good debt to income ratio and you need to have a lot of money in reserves. You need to put a lot of money down. So even with all of that, I could not get a jumbo mortgage because of these tax liens that I was working on paying. They were still attached to the house. So this is what we did. And I want to share this with you because this is something you guys can do too. And I know a lot of you know somebody didn't buy my tax liens. I paid them all off, Daryl. And, and, and by the way, guys, if you, 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 yeah, you better take the IRS seriously. I paid the total amount that I owed, probably 30% of it was taxes. I mean, it was, it was interest and fees, okay? At least 30% interest and fees. I mean, when you look at how much you owe and then how much you like the tax part and then the interest and penalties, you're paying credit card interest rates. I'm not kidding. You are paying credit card interest rates on your IRS back taxes that are owed. It is absolutely ridiculous. I think it's unjust and unfair, but it's my fault. So I can't blame anybody else but me. But it is absolutely highway robbery. Gregory, yeah, it's 18%. If you figure in all of the late fees and the penalties and the interest, it sucks. Right. And so the, the fastest way to pay it off is to, you know, sell everything and get into really get into the poverty level. And then you can negotiate with the IRS. But the IRS is the most aggressive collection agency in the world. And they have the right to take everything from you and throw you in jail if you don't pay it. And you can't hide from the IRS. Don't even try. Don't mess with the IRS. Don't mess with the IRS. Right. And some of you guys, are saying here in the chat, yeah, I don't make any money, so I don't owe any taxes. I used to, that's funny, that's maybe good, but like I used to joke that my goal is to pay a million dollars a year in taxes. That used to be my, because then if I'm paying a million in taxes, I'm making 3 million in revenue, right? That's not good. It's it's not what you make, it's what you keep. Big, big lesson learned. So, so here we are, we want to move into a house, we want to buy a house, but we can't. So I went to what I'm going to show you today. I went to Zillow, okay? And I went to the for rent and I went to for sale by owner in the areas that we wanted. And I started texting and calling landlords and for sale by owners, okay? And I just start, you guys are putting some really good comments in here. I appreciate it. Julie and uh, Alidia and uh, Regina, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to message, uh, answer these because this is really, really good. A lot of you guys, you're making money right now. You're starting to make money, but you're not being prepared. You're not preparing yourself for the taxes. Super important. And I know so many people, the more I've been sharing this, I've had so many people come to me and say, oh my gosh, thank you for sharing that. I'm in the same boat. I don't owe as much as you did, but I'm owing, I owe money. Crap. I, you know, and it's, it's like, you don't want anybody to know. There was a point where like, well, I won't, I won't share that, but okay. I didn't want like, you don't, you don't want people to know, right? I, I, there's a lot of guru haters out there and I'm worried, like, are they going to find out about me and expose me as being some fraud? with these giant tax liens. And it also gave me a lot more sympathy and mercy to other people that I know in business that are in the same boat, that have the same problems. But there's a lot of entrepreneurs out there. And I've read this article somewhere. It's like 30 something percent of all 10 uh, independent contractors, like self-employed independent people, over 30% owe the IRS money. And the Biden administration, whether this isn't political, or right? I'm not going to go left or right here, but the government, specifically the Democrats, and maybe this is good, I don't know, but I'm, I'm not trying to make my give my opinion here. They're getting more aggressive. They want to give more money to the IRS to collect more money in taxes from the wealthy, from the rich, and from the people who have not been paying, right? Whether and you might be making a lot of money dealing cryptocurrencies, you know, trading, flipping houses, cryptocurrencies, like, and it's sometimes you think it's easy, you can hide that money, but the IRS is going to get more aggressive in their audits and they're going after self-employed people. 
Okay. Um, so if you're writing too much off, if you're not using a professional accountant to do your taxes, you know, and you're trying to do it on your own, whatever, and you're not paying these taxes on a quarterly basis. Now I pay my taxes every two weeks. I put myself on payroll. So whether I like it or not, just like if I had a job, the government is taking taxes out of my paycheck where the payroll company is taking taxes out of my paycheck and sending it to the IRS. I don't know how they do it monthly or quarterly. I don't know. And I don't care if it's just getting done. So they're taking taxes out of my paycheck every two weeks, like a normal employee. And I'm also paying the IRS every quarter. And I got an assistant as my operations manager. I gave her the book Profit First. I said, implement this. And she's implementing Profit First. Okay. So you want to find a good Profit First tax accountant who understands, go get the book Profit First, all of y'all right now and read it and implement it. Don't be like me. And just read half of it and say, yeah, I'll get to it later. I'll implement it, I'll implement it later after I make some more money. Okay. And uh, uh, Lydia, I don't know how it works, but you have to, I think you have to get an S Corp and then your LLC. So that your the money comes in through the LLC, but goes to the S Corp. And then the S Corp pays you as an employee. You need to put yourself on payroll. So you get a paycheck every week. It's like a run through. Thank you. Some kind of run through thing. And that will, that'll take care of it. All right. So we wanted to buy a house, but we couldn't. So I went to Zillow for rent and for sale by owner. And I just started texting sellers and landlords of houses that we like. And I said, Hey, and I would send these. And this is one of, this is where I want to teach you something here. We started sending text messages from my wife. So we needed a house. So I started sending marketing out and I did a few things. I went to Zillow for rent, Zillow for sale by owner, and we sent yellow letters. And basically the message that I sent out on my yellow letters and in my text messages was this, write this down. Um, it came from my wife. I signed her name's Victoria. The letters, the texts came from her. And it said, hey, my, my husband and I are looking for a house that we could rent for a year or two and then buy. Would that work for you? Or probably not. Thanks, Victoria. Okay. So there's a text coming from my wife from to this to the owner. We, so I, what I did is I, I, I went, you want me to show you what I did? All right. Somebody give me a zip code. Somebody give me a zip code of where you would like to live. Nine, four. Okay. I'm getting a hundred of them here. A zip code where you would like to live, preferably a zip code where there's, you know, one to two or three acre lots. I'll try the, uh, somebody here gave me seven, seven, four, four, seven. I'm going to share my screen with you guys and I'm going to show you what I did here and how we found this house. Okay. My, <laughs> I hope I'm not dancing around this, um, and, and being really confusing here. What we did is we found a house to rent to own, and then we eventually bought. Okay, we, we rent to own, and then we bought this house. And I'm going to show you how you can rent to own or owner finance or lease purchase your own house to buy for your own personal residence. And then I'll, I, I swear I will get to these worksheets that I did here. All right, now I'm going to share my screen here. And if this is not a good zip code, I will I'll, I'll pick another zip code. I don't right now. So this is uh, somebody sent the zip code seven seven four four seven, and this is a zip code outside of Houston. All right, so this tells me. You know, it's as, probably it's a zip code with some, it's outside of the city, probably some bigger lots, newer homes. Okay. So what I did is I had two or three zip codes that I was interested in. And I started looking for all of the properties that were listed for rent. And I have four kids. So I wanted four plus bedrooms. Now there's nothing that's showing up here. Let me remove boundary. Yeah, shoot. Here's the thing. Zillow on Chrome is giving me a hard time. So I'm going to open, I'm going to do this in Safari and I'll share my screen on Safari. Hold on one second, guys. For some reason, when I'm, again, when I'm searching Zillow on Chrome, it doesn't update my thingamabob. It doesn't show me anything. All right, here's Safari and I'm in Zillow and I'm looking for four plus bedrooms, houses only. 
Now, this is only one zip code. There's only two houses here. But what I did is I would look for you know one or two zip codes that I was interested in, and I would go find these properties. And one of the cool things too, you'll notice in some of these nicer zip codes, you get nicer homes, right? Which also means there are a smaller pool of tenants and buyers that are interested in these houses because they're more expensive, right? And so this is a uh, this is some kind of management company. But I would send texts. Uh, to these numbers here. And I would also, at the time, I did uh, slide dial voicemails. So I did individual slide dial voicemails. What is slide dial? Just check out slidedial.com. Okay. Slidedial.com. And there are rules and laws against ringless voicemail that's automated pre recorded. Okay. Slide dial is okay because it's just one at a time. It's just one message. So I would leave a personal voicemail. So, hi, my name is Joe. I'm calling about your property there on Palo Dura. And uh, my, my, my wife and I, I wouldn't pretend to be my wife, but I would say my wife and I are looking for a property that maybe we can lease for a little while and then buy. If that would work for you, give me a call back. Thanks. Okay. So I'd let them know I'm looking for a nice house that my wife and I, or my husband and I can lease for a year or two and then buy. And when I did that, I got a lot more people that would respond back. Why? Because, you know, they knew we were we were looking for a home for ourselves. We weren't investors. And so we found some nice houses that way. Now, one thing I also did, because I wanted a nicer house, I would remove the boundary a little bit and I would look at the entire area. But I would also then hear, this is what I did, is I would go to price and I would look for houses that were at least 2,500 a month in rent. So that really narrows down because I wanted a nicer, bigger house, right? And then the other thing I started doing was because I wanted property that was on at least an acre, I would choose lot size one acre. I click done and you notice it really narrows down things, right? So in Houston area, there's only five of them, four plus bedrooms over, well, let's remove the 2,500 a month in rent. Now there's eight. Okay. But this is what, here's the crazy thing too, guys, especially if you're in a place now where you're making more money and you want to get a nice house, but you can't, again, guys, let me, this is so important to understand. A lot of you guys, you're making decent money, but you, when you're an entrepreneur, a small business owner, you write off a lot of your business expenses. You try to write off so a lot of things. So your taxes are lower, but then when you go and get a loan, you may not qualify because you don't, you're not reporting enough income. You're not ethically reporting enough income. You understand what I'm saying here? So for this house here, this is a beautiful home in a great area. And guess what? It's vacant. Oh my gosh. These vacant houses, these are nice, beautiful homes. And a lot of you guys on these calls can afford $3,500 a month easy, but you just don't want to rent. And because you're an entrepreneur, you're a small business owner, you've taken a lot of risks, right? You've taken risks. You might have had businesses in the past that have failed. You might have taken on too much debt. You might have taken a bad deal. You might have you know, issues in your past that prevent you from getting a good mortgage. You're a good person. You pay all your bills on time, right? But your score isn't where it needs to be. Your debt to income is not where it needs to be because you've got, you know, you've got a lot of money tied up uh, into some houses that you're rehabbing, right? So you're a smart business person, but you just can't get the loan yet. You need to have two years of taxable income reported on your tax returns to show you that you can afford a house like this. But banks, they don't understand that you're a risk taker. You're the fuel that drives this economy, small business owners, and they penalize small business owners and make it even harder for you to get a mortgage to buy the house, right? So on these nicer homes like this one in Sugarland, it's a cool place to live, Sugarland. You know, look at the street view of this. This is a nice neighborhood with nice homes, right? And there's a lot of 
wealthy people here that live here. And even though you make probably more money than all of these guys, you can't live here because your credit isn't where it needs to be. And you're, you're, you're a small business owner. Okay. You understand what I'm saying? But here's the cool thing about these rental properties, guys. A lot of these homeowners, they're more open to doing creative financing. Okay. A lot of these people who own these houses are more open to creative financing. Why? Because nobody goes and buys this house. I don't know what the Zillow value of this house is, but nobody bought this house to hold it as a long-term rental for cash flow. All right. This isn't a cash flowing rental property here. People who are landlords who are in the business of buying investment properties are buying houses that rent for, you know, a thousand, fifteen hundred a month. So this was probably a homeowner that lived in the house. Something happened. They had to move out. The job transfer, job loss, divorce, life happened. They had to move out and they couldn't sell it for what they wanted to sell it for. Maybe they owe more than it's worth. A lot of the people in these higher end homes actually own these houses free and clear. And so they are a lot more open to doing creative financing because they just, for whatever reason, they may not need the money right now. They may need to wait until the house appreciates. And they're worried like I don't, they don't want to be a landlord and rent this house to somebody who's going to trash it. But when you can come to them and say, listen, I would like to rent this for a year or two and then buy it. And I'll take care of all the maintenance and repairs. You don't have to worry about any of that. And if you want to buy this house, you need to put some money down on it. You maybe put five or 10% down. That will get applied towards your future down payment. So you'll find a lot more sellers. I'm hope I'm hope I'm being really really clear on this because this is important to understand. You'll find a lot more homeowners that are open to doing creative financing deals on the higher end, more expensive homes. Now this house in particular, I know this isn't the zip code that the person sent to me. I'm going to look it up on PropStream here, and I'm going to share my other screen. Here we are in PropStream. I'm going to put it right here, and let's look to see uh, what we have here. Just confirm, guys, that you can. Um, see my screen, right? You can see, you can see, yeah, okay, good, prop stream. All right, this is a five bedroom, 4,200 square foot house. This is a nice house. They've owned it for four years. And look at this, guys, it shows up as owner occupied. Let me uh, show you, where'd Safari go? Let me show you this. You guys see my screen here? Does this house look owner occupied? No, it looks vacant, doesn't it? <laughs> you guys see what I'm seeing? You see a vacant house here? All right, I just wanna make sure you guys, ah, oh, very good. Julie's asking, why is it saying owner occupied if it's vacant? It looks vacant to me, Regina is saying, right. So these houses, a lot of these homeowners, let me go back to PropStream here. The address, the mailing address is still the same as the property address. So when you go into Zillow and start looking at nicer homes, this is so important to understand. A lot of those homes are not showing up yet as absentee owners. They're not showing up as absentee owners yet. So how much direct mail do you think this guy, James Prince, has gotten from other investors? Hey, do you want to sell your house? How many cold calls or text messages has this person, do you think, received? Not many. None, because it's not showing up as an absentee landlord, but the house is vacant. They've lived there for whatever reason they had to move. Maybe they tried to sell it and they couldn't. Now they're willing to rent it out. Okay, they have a mortgage on it. So they're paying, somebody's paying a mortgage on a vacant house right now. And I don't care how wealthy you are, they're probably paying you know $3,000 a month mortgage payment on this thing. And it probably sucks. It probably hurts. You go to MLS detail. You can see here it's listed as a rental. Okay. You know, even if they do rent it out, who's going to be responsible for the re any repairs and maintenance, right? The owner is. And what I, by the way, when I'm talking to the owner, I might tell them things like, you know, I, I'm just curious, you're using a property manager. Will the property manager pay you rent if the house is vacant? No. Will, will the uh, realtor or the property manager 
take care of the maintenance and repairs themselves and pay for any repairs themselves? No. All right. So I'm going to rent this house from you. I'm going to put a large down payment down now, because if this is going to be your personal residence, you need to be prepared to put in a large down payment, you know, five to 10%, but you really are going to buy this house. So that's not a problem. You're going to get it back. So you can still negotiate, right? You could say, listen, Mr. Seller, you know, I can gift you the, you can give them the full price that they want. Maybe they give you a credit for every month that you pay your rent on time. They'll give you a thousand dollars off the price of the home for every month. So over 24 months, that's 24 grand. They'll knock on the, off the price. But if you're late, one second on one month's rent, you don't get that credit. So it gives the seller even more assurance like, okay, yeah, they've got a lot on the line. If they don't pay their rent on time, they lose a thousand bucks. So like when you're negotiating lease options with sellers, this is a house that are paying, you know, $3,000 mortgage payment on, and you're offering to give them 3,500 bucks a month, pays their mortgage. You're going to be taking care of all the maintenance and repairs. Okay. And you're going to buy the house. And if you're a second late on one month's rent, you lose a thousand dollar rent credit or whatever. You understand what I'm saying? So when you're negotiating lease options with sellers, you can say, listen, what, what, you know, what price do you want to sell this for? I can get you that price if let's if you give me maybe a, a credit for rent credit. Is that, do you understand what I'm saying there? Are you picking up what I'm laying down? Right. Now, I don't know if this house is going to work or not. Maybe, you know, let's look at linked properties. You can see they own two properties. He owns another property in Austin, Texas. That's a 1,500 square foot house. Sometimes you can go in here and you can see if you go down here to arm's length information, sometimes there's been a divorce. You can see a divorce that's happened or something like that. And that's why it's vacant right now. Now, in the Zillow listing, let me go here and pull up the Zillow listing. Hold on one second. Copy. All right. In the Zillow listing, it's listed by a uh, some kind of property manager or a realtor. Try to say that name five times. Okay. I mean, he looks like a nice guy, but that doesn't look like the, the owner, uh, James and Jai Prince. Maybe they're friends. I don't know. Okay. So you're probably not going to get much by talking to this property manager or the realtor, right? So you might want to send a letter to the homeowner, which is what I did. So we started going into Zillow and we started pulling out all these property owners and we started sending them a letter again from my wife. And this is what the letter would say. Real simple, yellow paper, handwritten. This is how we would address this letter to James. Hi, James and Jai Prince. My name is Victoria. My husband and I are looking for a house in this area that we could rent for a year and then buy. And we really like your property at 7919 Chianti Court in Sugarland, Texas. This might be something that you'd be you'd consider. Please call me back at this number. Thanks, Victoria. Okay, it was a letter from my wife. Guys, I was blown away by how many calls we got from that yellow letter. And an invitation envelope, handwritten, live stamp. All right, did you guys get that? Yes, homeowner's insurance still works, but the, the homeowner needs to change their insurance to a landlord policy, which they've probably already done if they're renting this house out. And usually it doesn't cost much more money, if anything, but they have to change the policy, homeowner's policy to a landlord policy. Not a big deal. All right, so let's say, let me show you else what else we did here, guys. We're, you know, I'm looking here in, um, in, uh, in the Houston area. This is Sugarland, Texas. So the other thing I did, how do I find these lists of, of people that, hang on here, let's go to Sugarland, Texas. I don't know how big Sugarland, Texas is, but let's say, you know, you want to live in this area, okay? And you're looking for houses that you can do a lease option on for your own personal residence. What I did is I went in here to, I, I searched for this area. I went into filter and I didn't care if it was owner occupied or not, but I went into property characteristics and I wanted at least four bedrooms. I wanted at least 3000 square feet because I wanted a four bedroom. I mean, a big a house, big enough for, for kids, right? And a place where I could work. So you might even do 4,000. I don't know. Let's do 4,000 square feet. 
There's seven, 6,700 homes. Not bad, right? Four more bedrooms, 4,000 square feet plus. You know, maybe let's bring that down to earth a little bit because you might not need 4,000 square feet. But generally, 3,000. Generally, you know, if you want an office, um, that's you, you, you want some of these bigger houses. And then I would also do something like um, I went into lot size square foot. So one acre is 43,560 square feet. All right. So there we go. There are 231 properties that are over one acre, over 3,000 square feet, over four bedroom. Now, I also, I want to exclude somebody who just bought their house recently. So I might go here to ownership info and I would say they had to have owned it for at least five years. Now, by the way, five years would exclude this house that we were just looking at because they've only owned it for four years and 11 months. So you just be careful that maybe let's do four years. They've owned it for at least four years. All right, there you go. Some of these are fails. Now, here's a ten million. <clears throat> excuse me, a ten million dollar listing. So you might want to exclude the really expensive ones. So you might do evaluation total uh, assess total value right here. You might want to say, all right, under a million dollars. Okay, that brings it down to forty. But I don't know. Depending on, you'd be surprised how much house you can afford. Um, but there you go. There's forty properties here. Some of these are really nice homes, and they've owned it. What was my criteria again here? Four more bedrooms, 3,000 square feet, one acre or more. They've owned it for four years and it's worth less than a million dollars. And this is just sugar land. You could look at in, in, other, in, in other areas, right? Well, here you go. You can download this list, send them that letter. Let me tell you what the letter said again. Um, let's just look at this property here. They've owned it for four years, 10 months, okay? This is actually listed for sale, I think, but gorgeous house, right? Let's see MLS details. Well, they just listed it at the beginning of June. I would still send them a letter anyway, right? And I, this was, oh, I'm not even going to try to pronounce it. You know, my and Finn, my name is Victoria. My husband and I are looking for a house that we can rent for a year and then buy. And we've been looking in the Sugarland, Texas area for a little while now. We really like your house at 3734 Stockbridge Drive. If this might work for you, please give us a call at phone number. Thanks, Victoria. Okay. Like that's it. It's got to be super personal. And you tell them, my husband and I, my wife and I are looking for a house that we can rent for a year and then buy. Don't get all salesy and talk about all the benefits of doing a lease option and all that. Just, just talk about this. Okay. All right. So we are at an hour, I, I, well, 40 minutes or so, but we started this and then I didn't hit the publish live or record till 50 minutes into it. I hope you find that helpful. Now back here to Zillow, let me uh, show you in Safari what else I do. So I'm looking for three plus bedrooms that are on one acre or more in Zillow. You're not going to see that many of them, but you can also go here to for sale. And now you can see there's a lot more of them. Okay. There's 619 agent listings and 42 for sale by owner listings. So you might want to say, all right, let's look here. I want at least uh, a $300,000 house and at the most a million. All right. There's 33 FISBOs. Guys, I would text them and these are all on one acre or more. Are you kidding me? Look at this beautiful house here. Not huge. It's 2,000 square feet, but look at the, all the property, okay? Guess what? Scroll down right here. There it is. There's a phone number for the owner. Send him a text and do a slide dial and say what I just said to say. Some of these are really, really nice homes. This is gorgeous. They're asking 900 grand. How long has it been on the market here? 21 days. So you're going to find a lot of these homes. Oh man, this is beautiful. Look at this backyard. They've been on the market a long time and no fence around the pool. That's crazy. Normally that's required, right? Then, okay. So those are for sale by owners. Don't think that you can't also send letters to the owners of these nicer properties as well. So this is sorted by newest, okay? If I scroll all the way to the bottom, these are listed properties by realtors. I would go to, to the end. Um, this, look, this was a price drop. They just cut this price, 20 grand, okay? Send the owner a letter. This one has been on the market for 72 days. 
If the market's white hot, do you think the seller might be getting a little nervous? Like, oh my gosh, I haven't sold this house yet. It's been two months. Everyone else is selling their house. I keep on reading in the news how crazy fast they're selling these houses. These are nice homes here. This one's been on the market. They just cut their price, 50 grand. This looks incredible, right? Is that the front yard or the backyard? Backyard, it looks weird. There's a reason why this house hasn't sold yet. Well, they got two garages. It's overpriced. Oh, but you know, you look through here, it looks, I was going to say it looks vacant, maybe not, but doesn't look lived in. Closet's almost empty. Beautiful pool. Guys, you will be shocked how many of these properties would be open to doing some kind of owner financing or lease options. Just send them a message. You know, I would send the owner a letter and, and I would also send the realtor a letter. Another, one more thing you can do here. Let's go to Redfin and let's look in Houston, Texas. I'm going to remove outline. I'm going to zoom out. Come on, work with me. There we go. Remove outline. Let's go to more filters. I want a house. I want four plus bedrooms and scroll down. I want lot size, minimum one acre and uh, time on Redfin, more than 60 days. And we want max price under a million dollars. All right, let's, oh my gosh, look at that. Let's zoom out a little bit more. Click apply filters. There are nine, uh, there's 163 homes, guys, in the Houston area that are on an acre plus under a million dollars that have been on the market over 60 days. These are beautiful homes. And maybe you want to exclude the super cheap ones, all right? Because you can afford it. You can afford over 300 grand. Now there's 145. You can go, if you scroll down here all the way, right here, you can download them into a spreadsheet, okay? And there's a way, maybe I'll do this in a future video. There's a way that you can actually upload that list into PropStream and get a get and download all of the names and addresses of the owners. And you can send them letters and skip trace them and call them. Yeah, these are beautiful homes, right? And they've been on the market for a couple months. They're getting nervous. And a lot of these homes, I keep on saying this over and over again. I don't know if you guys are getting this, but a lot of these owners, they're not, they don't need the cash as much. They're more willing to wait for it. And also a lot of these homes, a higher percentage of them are going to be free and clear homes. Okay. So they don't need the money right now. And in fact, a lot of them would rather maybe not sell it now because they're going to have to pay too much in capital gains taxes. So if they can wait and spread that out over a couple of years, they won't have to pay as much. Does that make sense? Um, so there's a lot of, and I'm not giving tax advice here. You need to talk to an attorney about all that, but there's a lot of reasons why these people may be open to doing seller financing or lease option, especially when you can come and tell them you're going to take care of all the maintenance and repairs and they don't have to worry about any of this. This one, this price was just lowered. It's been on the market for, it's on one and a half acres, been on the market for 77 days. Let's look at these photos. Okay. I was going to say it looks, one of the pictures looked vacant, but that doesn't look like it. The house is vacant. You know, this house hasn't sold yet, maybe because it's got blue countertops and blue floors. Maybe they have too many animals hanging on the walls. Maybe it's just a little too cluttered in the basement. I don't know if that's a basement. I don't think houses in Texas have basement, but there's some empty space up here, right? And a lot of these too, this is important. A lot of these homeowners don't have to sell this house to buy another house. They've already bought another house or they're, they make enough money. They can afford another house without having to sell this one. And let me say one more thing here and then we'll wrap it up. These houses are also, you can also flip these as lease options. I wouldn't recommend doing a sandwich lease option on these houses because I think it's a little too much risk um, unless you're established to to be on the hook for being in the middle of one of these deals and paying a $3,000 mortgage payment when the house is vacant. But you can do a lease option assignment for one of these. So if one of these owners, if you like, if you know, maybe you don't like this house for yourself, you don't want to live in it, it's too far away, you could do a lease option assignment on these. Okay. And you could sell this lease option assignment for 10, 20 grand. You can sell this house for a premium. All right. Any questions about 
what we just talked about. And somebody's asking here, can you also upload from Redfin? Yeah, so you can download this, all, all of those properties I just showed you here from Redfin. You can download them into a spreadsheet and then upload them into FreedomSoft and skip trace them in FreedomSoft. You know, I should do this on in a future video, but you can also upload that into PropStream. You go to propstreamjoe.com and it'll give you back all of the names and addresses of the homeowners. And then it'll also um, uh, give you the, the name and phone number and email of the realtors. So you can email the realtors, you can send a letter to the owner, you can skip trace the owners and call them, send them personalized individual slide dials. Okay. Julie's asking here, assuming, by the way, I'm just going to give a few minutes for Q&A real quick. If you've got questions, please type them in the chat. Um, I'm assuming that would work for a female reaching out as a single person. So if you're a female, it might be different, um, but I would still say the same thing. Like I had a student that was really struggling and she was doing the ads and the direct mail, you know, we buy houses, you know, I'll buy your house cash for whatever. She took a picture of her and a friend shaking hands. And you could tell they were both women. And she started sending postcards with a picture of her saying, and I think her name was Sherry, Sherry or Shalise or something like that. Um, she said, Sherry buys houses. She changed the name of her company to Sherry buys houses. And then her ad shows her shaking another woman's hand. And uh, all of her marketing, outbound marketing would be Sherry buys houses. And guess what? Phone lit up. She put an ad in the penny classified ads, you know, newspaper things, started getting calls from that. Postcards started getting more calls because I think people trust working with a woman more than they do a man. It's just, it's maybe not fair, but that's the way it is. So, all right, why not test it? Send out some marketing that comes from your wife or your spouse or a female business partner. Okay, Anne is asking a question about, uh, can you show us how to use your Google Forms? And I'm going to have to do that in another video. I apologize. I sent all of you guys some a Google, two different Google Sheets on how I evaluate lease option deals. And um, I don't have time to go through that on this, but I'm going to do that on a future REI Secrets webinar. So you got a reason to come back and join me, right? So Frederick, Frederick, do me a favor, Frederick, send that question to support at joemccall.com and tell them I asked you to and ask them to send it to me and I will do that. Okay. What are some of your big takeaways here? What are some of the things you learned from this? And what are you going to actually start doing and implementing yourself? If you want more information on how to work with me, let me just say this, and then I'm going to just answer some questions here. I mean, if you'd like to work with me and you aren't one of my students already, there's two ways you can work with me. Number one, go to partnerwithjoe.net. Partnerwithjoe.net is a $7 a month program I have that teaches you how to do cash deals. It's fantastic. And then if you want to join my lease options program, learn how to do lease option deals, watch my webinar at sloclass.com, sloclass.com. That's stands for simple lease options. Watch my webinar and I'll show you how you can get my main, that's my flagship course, okay? If you want to, I talk a lot about FreedomSoft. If you want to sign up for the Joe McCall signature edition of FreedomSoft, go to freedomsoftjoe.com. You get all of my contracts, all of my marketing pieces, my letters, text messages, emails, all of my automations, websites, they're in freedomsoftjoe.com, the Joe McCall signature edition. If you want to get PropStream, uh, go to PropStreamJoe.com. Okay, so a lot of links I just wanted to throw at you, but I'm going to start reading some questions here or some comments. Peter saying, Joe from Texas. Peter from Texas here. Awesome. I like your partner with Joe Course. Lots of wisdom in there. Uh, you are a guy of wisdom. Appreciate that. And I'm tapping into it all. Quick question. What other state would you recommend or suggest for your types of exit strategies? Lease option, subject to, sandwich lease option, et cetera. Texas has too many restrictions. I want to expand into other states. Okay, Peter, good question. Texas really only has one main restriction, and that's on sandwich lease options. It is actually, I would say, easier to do subject twos and wraps and contract for deeds in Texas. Texas does seems to be more um, investor friendly than most other states, but you can also do lease option assignments in Texas. You can do assignments in Texas all day long. 
in my simple lease options course, I interview a, a friend of mine who does a lot of lease options in Texas, lease option assignments. I also have in my lease options course, a section on um, subject twos and land contracts, contract for deeds and things like that. So you can do those types of deals in Texas as well. It's just different paperwork, different things. Yeah. Uh, how does homeowner insurance work if the if the if you lease a 4,200 square foot house? Can you get renter's insurance that will cover the home value? Yes. Okay. So a couple of things. Number one, the owner of the property needs to switch their homeowner's insurance into a landlord policy. That's important, and that's in my checklist in my main lease options course. That's in the checklist there. But as if you are living in the house and you're doing this for yourself, you definitely want to get a renter's insurance policy and that covers all your personal belongings. So if there's a fire or the damage on the house, uh, you lose everything if you don't have renter's insurance. The homeowner's landlord policy does not cover the contents in the house, which are your contents, right? The other thing I'd suggest too, if you're worried about maybe being responsible for something that goes wrong and repairs on the house, um, you can get an extended home warranty that covers all of the major home appliances. So, you know, just ask around, you know, ask realtors, what what is the best home warranty, extended home warranty program that you can buy? It's like four or 500 bucks for a year and it'll cover any of the major appliances. Okay, good. I'm looking at your questions here. Do I have a sample of a lease option assignment to use in Texas? No, Gregory, but in my simple lease options course, I, you have all the paperwork you need. And I also, my friend that I interview has some stuff in there as well. Uh, Rick is asking a question about land. Can you share the top two or three land courses that you have personally taken and would recommend and then rate them? I'm getting a lot from the land leads and I want to know how to do land deals. Uh, Rick, I'm thinking about coming out with a land investing course, and I'm probably going to do that here in the next month. But in the meantime, I really like Jack Bosch, the friend of mine. He's taught probably more people how to do land investing than anybody else. So go look look and look up Jack Bosch or Land Profit Generator in Facebook groups. You know, really good guy. I also like there's some guys who do a podcast called Casual Fridays. Well, first of all, let me just say this: go to Real Estate Investing Mastery, my podcast. And do a search for land and look at all the different people I've, I've interviewed for that do land investing. And uh, there's a lot of good people there that are doing deals and maybe have courses. So just check that out. Okay. A uh, land geek is a real good guy, Mark Podolsky. The guys that did, I, I interviewed them who have a, uh, they have a podcast called Casual Fridays, REI podcast. They have a course on land investing. I interviewed, I interviewed a guy named Willie G who does more land deals than anybody I've ever talked to. And he's got a little course. Um, I don't know if he's focusing much on it. I interviewed another guy. I forget the name of the program. They're really good. He, Harold, shoot, and Dave. Um, those are two guys that have a really good program on land investing. Yeah. And then there's the Land Academy guys. They're good. They got a real good program. I don't know if I'd recommend it because I bought it and I didn't like it. All right. Anyway, just got my first property under contract. Nice. Kim, I'm finding places to list it. Any suggestions on the best places to find buyers? Yes, Kim. If it's a lease option, signs are always my favorite. A sign in the yard, signs in the neighborhood on the weekends. That's where I get most of my tenant buyers for my properties. And then Facebook Marketplace, Zillow, if you can, and Craigslist, those four things. If you haven't found, if it's a good lease option property and you haven't found a tenant buyer from signs, Facebook Marketplace, Craigslist, and Zillow, if you can, then you're doing something wrong. It's probably overpriced. If this is your first wholesale deal for a cash deal, I would suggest finding another local wholesaler to partner with who already has the buyers, who has access to the title companies, the money, the, the, the attorneys, the title companies that will let you do double closings and assignments and things like that. Makes everything so much easier. Just split the deal with them 50-50. Anne, I love how you remove boundaries with the creativity, with creativity in a non-threatening way. Thanks, Anne. Appreciate it. Nice. Okay. Edward says one of his big takeaways was stay on top of your taxes. <laughs> nice. So if it's a wholesale deal, Kim, yes, I would recommend 
partnering with a local wholesaler that's already doing deals in your market. All right, guys, that is it for now. I'm going to end this. Those of you that were on early, I apologize for not going through those worksheets, but I'm going to do that for my next one, my next REI Secrets. I do these REI Secrets webinars every week. They're completely free to all my friends. So join my next one, okay? Next next one, I should be doing one on how I evaluate lease option deals with a pen and paper. So you don't, you don't have to use software calculators or spreadsheets. You can do it all in pen and paper. I think you'll find some good value out of that. If you want to work with me, guys, again, go check out partnerwithjoe.net. If you haven't already, partnerwithjoe.net and check out my YouTube channel. Subscribe to my YouTube channel. Go watch my Lease Options Masterclass webinar. It's called sloclass.com. Oh, and also, this is really important. Next week, oh, I should have mentioned this at the beginning. I'm sorry. Next week, I'm doing a five-day Lease Options Blueprint Masterclass in a private Facebook group. And it's completely free. So go check it out, leaseoptionblueprint.com. Dang, why didn't I talk about this? Leaseoptionblueprint.com. Starting next week, it's a five-day, completely free class I'm doing in a private Facebook group on how to do lease options. Uh, Go to leaseoptionblueprint.com. It's all going to be done inside of a private Facebook group, and it's going to be amazing. It's going to be five days where I'm going to be teaching you and I'll be answering questions and helping you do lease option deals. And again, it's completely free, no strings attached. It's all in a private Facebook group. And good, I'm getting comments here. I'm looking for it. I'm signed up for it. I'm ready to go. Awesome. Uh, Leaseoptionblueprint.com. It starts next week as I'm recording this right now, the week of uh, July 19th. And here's the thing. I'm shutting it down. It's only going to be open for like eight days, eight or nine days. So um, you have to watch it while I'm doing it. So every morning at 9 a.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Eastern, I'm releasing the new video for the next class. Um, So go check that out right now, leaseoptionblueprint.com. All right, guys, we'll see you later. I appreciate you all very much. I thank you. 